0: live in but not for the present moment. In that way you will affirm your inner reality beyond time and space. I've been contemplating something which is, it, 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 it sounds almost like a cliche, but these these things become cliches because they have a profound truth that can be repeated over and over again and applied to many circumstances. I was just thinking about the fact of reincarnation. Now in the Understanding of of Sanatana Dharma, of that which is, that Paramahansa Yogananda Brahm Swami trained me in. I have lived deeply and truly for the last 50 more than 50 years. Reincarnation is just a fundamental fact. It's not like anything odd or anything like that. I remember an amusing time in uh, it would have been the early 70s when our guest retreat was located at what is now the meditation retreat. Uh, in in Nevada County, near um, near Ananda Village. And it's uh, it was six miles up up the road, and three of those miles were across this barren area that had been hydraulically mined more than a hundred years ago, and it was just gravel and rock for three miles back this road to an extremely remote place. The meditation retreat still, to this day, is extremely remote, fabulously remote. But that was where all our guest programs were. And I was... Uh, on the retreat staff, and I often led classes and retreats up there. And somehow, some young man in the 70s had hitchhiked to the community because he was interested in community. He was interested, he was much more interested in community than he was in spirituality, but it was all blended together. And as it happened, I gave him a ride, and I, I didn't have a car, so I don't know whose car I had, but I had somebody's car. And I was driving up to the meditation retreat. I gave the class and I gave the man a ride back to the road. And I had talked about reincarnation in the class, just very freely and comfortably as I do. And when we were in the middle of the most barren part of the road, the the ride back home, and I felt like he chose it. He chose the most barren place where there would be no chance of being overheard, no possibility that anyone was listening. And he sort of leaned over and said, all that stuff you were talking about, do you really believe it? It's just like that. <laughs> it was like, you know, it's just you and me. We can we can let our guard down. You can be frank with me at this point. <laughs> and I was amused rather than insulted. And I said, well, you know what? Actually, I do. I really do believe it. And I explained to him how I came to the belief, because I was raised in America, and I, I, was, I lived in El Paso, Texas, till I was 15 years old, which is not exactly a hotbed of new thought, at least certainly from 1947 to whatever, um, 1960 or so when I did live there, it was not a super progressive place, I don't know what it is now. And then, you know, when I was 18, I was introduced to all of this, never, I don't, I can't recall the concept of reincarnation ever entering my world, although it's impossible to imagine I could have lived 18 years without ever hearing about it, but it just wasn't part of it. But as soon as it was presented to me, it just made so much sense. But I'm never one to just take things; I always have to think it through. And so what I did was I started looking at the world as if reincarnation were a fact. And what I found was it was if I used it as a as, as a theory. To explain away what was otherwise very hard to understand, it just kept fitting more than any other explanation. I mean, just start of the enormous inequity in 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 people's birth, just like people are born in all sorts of different circumstances, you know, different countries, different economic conditions, um, different levels of affection or or disaffection, different levels of health, even gender. Um, just all these different things. Where does it come from? Why is it? Why is it that someone has a great affinity from childhood for music and someone else is a math wizard before they're six or can, can speak, speak, learn many languages and learn them easily? Just so many different things about us. What to speak then of as life progresses, all the different things that happen. Now, of course, reincarnation is also an extraordinarily demanding teaching, but I just kept trying it out. I kept pasting it over the experiences. I would meet people, one one person in particular, I, I met this person. Within fifteen minutes, there was there was a lifetime friendship. And at this point in my life, it is, it's still there. And it was formed, it wasn't formed, it was just recognized. I mean love at first sight, that's what people call it. It's just there's so many evidences that whatever is happening now is the next chapter, rather than like some book that is a blank page that's just being written. I've never uh, been pregnant, but women who've told me who've had more than one pregnancy tell me that from conception sometimes they can feel the personality of the child, and it, it isn't generic. It's a definite person with a full personality that they're, they're bringing, and that it's different from child to child. So it's not it's like somebody arrives who's already formed. Swamiji's very interesting co- con- comment about parenting was he said the, the the male and the female unite to create the physical vehicle. The mother and the father create the physical vehicle for the soul, the individual soul, to express its destiny. But the mother and father do not create either the soul or its destiny, which I thought was an extremely interesting way to put it. Of course, there's a karmic relationship. There's a reason why they're together, but the soul comes in fully formed. Just because it's little and helpless doesn't mean its intelligence and its consciousness are waiting to be molded. This is the basic principle of reincarnation. And reincarnation is also very sensible. It's, like Swamiji said, it's It's not like you're, you know, a human being today, you're a Mozart today and you're a lizard tomorrow, you know, and then after that you're the abbot of a monastery and, you know, then you get to be a tiger in the jungle. It's a very um, comprehensible progression of ever-expanding awareness. And as as our awareness expands, then we, the way Swami put it perfectly is, we need to have a body, sentient beings. And this goes back to the animal level because there is a progression through the animal stages into the human, which according to the masters we've all been through, we, meaning that individual spark of divinity. On the animal level, animals lack the egoic self-awareness to be able to contemplate their circumstances and make informed decisions about how to influence their circumstances. That doesn't mean that your dog or your cat, because any animal that is in close continuous contact with humans is very far up the evolutionary scale of animals. Because association with humans means that their consciousness is getting close to shifting. So it is true, especially with domesticated pets, but also with some wild animals, but especially with domesticated pets, that there's a great deal of consciousness, but still not the objective capacity that a human being has, to review its destiny, to consider its options, and to use its willpower to make choices. So there's a continuous awareness of where happiness comes from and what causes suffering. And we keep making choices about that. That's what reincarnation is. Reincarnation is the opportunity ultimately to to discover how to have perfect bliss, which is called God-realization. So it's a whole story in itself. So then here when Swami says, live in but not for the moment so that you will affirm your inner reality beyond time and space. That inner reality, the Sanskrit word for it is the jiva. There is an I, there is a, a differentiated individual spark of divinity which is exactly the same, which is manifested from the same infinite substance but yet is recognizably its own individuality, and that entity is called the jiva. Um, it's the bubble in the ocean, and the bubble can merge into the ocean, but it's still a bubble in the ocean. Um, that's the best I can say it, because I can't, I I don't perceive it from realization. But there is an identifiable, recognizable, continuous I through all of our incarnations, the jiva that we are. And that's why you can do past life regression, or people can um, read your aura, psychics can tell you, and they can tell you, you know, exact things that happened to you. That's why I could meet someone and in 15 minutes we just picked up where we left off. And, you know, have gone through this whole incarnation with that connection completely intact. And once this incarnation is over, presumably, we'll see each other again. I have no doubt that we'll see each other again. I mean, there's many people that I will see again. When I saw Swami Kriyananda, I recognized him. I recognized him in about 10 seconds, if that. He walked into the room and it was like, there there he is. It was more like, there it is. There is the consciousness that I've been looking for. And I'm seeing it manifested. It was completely it was completely intuitive and it was completely resuming something that self-evidently had been in place for a very, very, very long time, who knows how long. So what Swami is suggesting to us here is that the jiva moves in and out of these incarnations. When we die, that individuality goes, it exits the material, but it doesn't cease to exist. Death does not when we die, the bubble does not merge into the ocean because our sense of separateness actually has three dimensions, which is material, energetic, and and causal, thought form. It's thought, energy, and, and material manifestation. And we can dissolve the material manifestation, but we don't immediately transcend all the other two levels and then merge into the spirit. We just move to the energy definition of ourselves. You're mostly... For a long time, people just oscillate between energy and matter, energy and matter. That's what heaven is, and also hell, for that matter, which is a vibration of energy that matches our um, consciousness. And very evil people, when we leave, they leave this world, well, it's not quite as simple as that, because even evil people are many different things. But gradually, over time, karma catches up with this and whatever we've inflicted without compassion we have to learn compassion for what we've inflicted and generally the way we learn that is that we receive what we gave and we begin to understand what we did and then remorse sets in and then gradual transformation this is how we learn but what Swami is suggesting, when we live in but not for the moment, see, this is understanding. I am here. I am incarnated. This is who I am. I am responsible for this one. I have certain karma that I have to work out. I have certain lessons. I do not progress by just sitting it out. The whole Bhagavad Gita has long discussions about action versus inaction and deliberately to boycott one's own life or to refuse to participate in it, or to imagine, I will be less entangled if I I refuse to commit, that's a misunderstanding. Um, Because we have to live in the moment. But in the moment means we have to give a hundred percent of who we are. We have to do a hundred percent of what's asked of us with a hundred percent of everything we can bring to it, because we have to go through that moment and then transcend it transcend it. And generally speaking, when people refuse to commit, it's not really because they're free, it's because they're afraid. And fear is the greatest bondage of all. So we have to become completely unafraid. Just, this is the karma that I have, I'm going to embrace it. That's why Jesus said, if someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to them the left also. Because even if it's not what you would have chosen for yourself... It's come to you appropriately, and the way to get free of it is to commit yourself to going through it. Not to attach yourself and involve you more, but just to pass through whatever this energy field is that your karma has attracted. So that's why we live in, but not for the moment. To live for the moment is to become deeply involved in whatever it is. You know, that my reality is defined by what's happening. This is good, this is bad, I like, I don't like, That's when when you're living for this moment, that whatever is happening is my reality. No, I'm living in it. But my reality is beyond time and space. I'm just moving through these incarnations with my eyes on the horizon. And I have to do, Swamiji said it perfectly. He said, I never identify with Swami Kriyananda. He said, Swami Kriyananda is an event for which I am responsible. And I've always thought that was really perfect way to put it. I've been responsible for lots of events. I know what it is. You have to really throw yourself into it and take care of all of it. But you never make the the mistake of thinking that this is me. This is just something I've been asked to do. This is how we should feel about our whole life. Be in the moment, do what's asked for, but what we live for is a higher reality. So Swami says, live in but not for the present moment. And that way you will affirm your inner reality beyond time and space. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.